Hello everybody, welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane and today I'm going to talk about my testimony. So excuse me if I start getting emotional. There are some emotional parts in this story, but uh, please bear with me. Uh, I'm going to bear all because a lot of people around me, a lot of my friends, probably even my family don't necessarily know what I've gone through. Um, in depth. They know a little bit, but they don't know everything. And I think it's about time to share my story. Not only for them, but for people who are going through the same thing. I just want to let you guys know you're not alone and don't let anybody tell you that you can't recover because you can. Because I have. And uh, so here I go. When I was born... I was premature, I was purple, I couldn't breathe, and um, I something in my heart didn't mature fast enough, so I was in the ICU for a while, and um, my family prayed, and I recovered, basically. My papa, who is not here with me anymore. Uh, he died at least a year ago now. Uh, he got to hold me and he said, oh, she's just as tough as a rock. So her name's going to be Sarah the Rock. And that's been my nickname ever since. And I love him for it. <laughs> um, anyway, I had a very interesting childhood. I don't know whether you'd say it was good or bad. Um, I remember being a very creative child, a very imaginative child. Um, I loved watching movies. Um, I loved, like, watching TV because it kind of, like, expanded that imagination. And, um, I kind of knew that I was a bit different. Or I was tr more treated differently than, than actually knowing if I was different. You know, um, I remember, uh, I was made fun of a lot and I, I'm not going to go too much into this cause I think everybody's gone through a bit of bullying in their life. Um, whether or not that was in school or, you know, when you were a child or even if you're an adult, you know, I mean, even adults can be bullies and it's horrible, but I remember being made fun of saying that I scribble and saying, you know, oh, Sarah, you're dumb or something like that. And it hurt. It really hurt. It hurt my feelings. You know, I was a very fragile child um, back then. So I didn't necessarily know what to do to defend myself. I didn't know how to react. And that's another thing. I was a very antisocial kind of child. I was passive aggressive. I didn't know how to react to people when they made fun of me, so I would cry, and I'm pretty sure I got made fun of for that, too. That I was a crybaby and stuff. But I remember there was a time when I think I snuck a few crayons outside, and I colored on the school brick wall, like, the in-between, like, the, the concrete, uh, 
I don't know what you call it. It's in between the bricks, the concrete in between the bricks. I colored them in with a red crayon and somebody told on me and the, the teacher comes over and she goes, Sarah, that's vandalism. I'm like, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> so I was a very misunderstood child. I was just trying to be creative and I mean, I even did the same thing to my mom's walls at the time when, when we lived in an apartment. So, I even played with her makeup, put in all my stuffed animals. I, I just wanted to be a makeup artist and stuff. It was, I thought it was, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was kind of cute. But, um, mom didn't think so at the time, which I understand. I'm ruining your makeup. Uh, I wouldn't like it if somebody ruined my makeup either. But, um... I knew that I was different because everybody treated me different at the time, so I mean, but all I wanted to be was normal. I wanted to be accepted, I wanted to be loved by the people around me. Um, I wanted to be accepted by the kids in school, but they would always find a way to bully me, or they would always find a way to make me feel not included. And I know, I mean, that's just something that we learn in school is to defend their, you know, yourself and um, include people, you know, some, some people, some kids are just meaner than others and it's not nice, it's not, not okay. Um, I got into elementary school and uh, I remember second grade I actually talked to this boy that I thought I that that I thought was cute uh, and I said do you know about Jesus and I was even, I was even preaching to kids in second grade about Jesus I'm like I, I, I was a Jehu I was I was real I did not care I did not care but uh, second grade was probably I want to say the worst year of high, not high school, Jesus, but elementary school for me besides fifth grade, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, um, because it wasn't the people, it wasn't the kids that were bullying me at the time, although I probably did have a few bullies in the class. It was more of the teacher, and uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to name names in this uh podcast just to respect the people because I know it's the past and I forgive them and everything like that so but I remember her being very temperamental with not just me but other kids and um, I don't know what made me like her uh, when I went into third grade but I don't know but I remember like if me or my friends did anything wrong, she'd grab me tightly by the arm and drag me outside of the classroom and start yelling at me. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what did I do wrong? You know, I was, I was yelled at very young in, in my life. Uh, and it started with the teacher, I think. And, um, my house wasn't at all better either, but um, because my parents would yell at me if I did something wrong, and, and, I mean, if you yell enough to a child, it emotionally scars them. 
that's why. I mean, I know sometimes yelling is a bit useful in parenting just to get your point across, but when it's completely, like, I wouldn't say it's all the time, but if you do it constantly enough, if you do it enough, you emotionally scar a child, especially one with a fragile heart like mine was when I was a kid. But, um, I was yelled at a lot by the teacher. Um, I was treated differently uh, a lot in that class. I remember um, it took me a lot longer for me to uh, complete my assignments. And so the teacher would separate me from the desks, like the group of desks, and put me in a desk in the corner. And she put a divider in front of me. It had like three sides, so like my sides and my front were blocked from seeing any distractions. And that made me so stressed out. I remember that. Because I had like a bunch of papers that I had to, uh, you know, complete. And I just remember crying so hard one day. But I cried silently because I didn't want anybody to know that I was crying. But I was crying over these papers because there was so much for me to complete. And I was like, what, what do I do? What do I do here? I don't know what I did wrong. You know, I mean, I know that she was probably trying to get me to be not distracted enough for me to complete it. But the way that it was done, it made me feel like I did something wrong. I felt like I was being punished. And, um, it didn't happen just once. It happened a few times. And sometimes it would be in front of, like, the group that I was in. And they just put a, she just put a divider in front of me. So I was just set apart from the people, um, around me and it was embarrassing it was embarrassing and uh, my teacher talked to my parents and um, so apparently I was diagnosed with ADHD at the time that I couldn't sit still apparently and that I couldn't focus on my work and that was their diagnosis for me um, so in third and fourth grade were no different. I was yelled at. I was, um, I wasn't embarrassed as much. At least I don't think so. But it wasn't until fifth grade that, I don't know, I think mentally just kind of like, I wouldn't say I broke, but I kind of gave up mentally. I was just like, gone through the first four years of elementary school and here I am in fifth grade, about to go into sixth in junior high, and I don't, I think at the time, mentally, I just couldn't cope with the curriculum or the way that they were teaching, and my teacher, my fifth grade teacher at the time was just ruthless, because for one, I'm not going to say it's completely her fault. I did make it very hard on her. I was a compulsive liar. Because at this point, I didn't want to get in trouble with my parents. I didn't want to get in trouble with any of the teachers because I was just afraid of them. I was very afraid 
of telling them that I was having trouble or even asking them any questions because I felt like I was stupid. I was conditioned to think that I was stupid or to... I don't even know. I just knew that I had a hard time expressing myself to my own teachers that were supposed to understand me. They were trying to help me. And I understand, yeah, I was I was lying a lot and it did not make it any better. But the reason why I lied was just to have some peace. And I even lied to my parents about, like, not having any homework so I could just, like, relax for a minute and, and play with my friends and stuff. And I would get in trouble all the time and, you know, be sent to my room and grounded a lot. And it was traumatizing because I wanted to just be free from it all. Um, I remember there was one time I was set in the corner in my house and my uh, parents were going through my backpack and I was scratching myself with um, the hinges of the door and I think that was the first time I self-harmed myself or at least tried and um, it's not my parents fault it's not anybody's fault I think it was just the way I received that discipline that I didn't know how to react to it I felt like I was being bullied again or being made fun of or being punished for just trying to give myself a little bit of peace um so, yeah, um, there was one time in school that, um, like, my class was in line for gym, and I think this was about, I think this was fifth grade, and, um, there were two bullies behind me, and they would constantly make fun of me. They would constantly make me feel horrible about myself, and most of the time I would ignore it, but for some reason it built up so bad that I had my first panic attack, my, my first anxiety attack, and I ended up crying, and I remember my chest was like <sighs> convulsing, you know, just not feeling like... I was alright, and I panicked, and I remember the faces of these kids, like, they- I don't think they saw a, that type of reaction before, and they- one of the teachers, because I think we had, like, music, and then Jim, and the music teacher comes up and says, what did you do to her? What did you say to her? And, uh, they didn't really say- they, I think they said, well, I didn't say anything to her. And she said- well, you had to have said something to make her cry like that. And they they were made to apologize to me, and I don't think I had any problem with them uh, after that. But, um, so I was getting it left and right at the time. And, uh, so yeah, um, in junior high, uh, I was diagnosed with, uh, ADD. 
And that was when they put me into intervention classes. And um, one thing that I will say right now is that I was taught something in college that I should have been taught in school. And it 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 was a saying, and it, it says, it's not about how smart you are, it's about how you are smart. Everybody learns a different way. And so when I went into junior high, I think the intervention classes was a way for me to figure out how I learn and how I am smart. So that's how I was. That that's that's what I was doing and that's what I went into as intervention classes and I had that ever since I graduated. So or I had that until I graduated. And so, you know, it yeah, I was still having trouble learning and stuff, but it wasn't necessarily the curriculum that was the problem. It was growing apart from my friends and popularity was like a big thing in my junior high school. Um, I don't understand why people can be so mean just because, oh, you're not popular, or you're this, or all of this stuff. And I remember, like, looking at, like, a popular girl's outfit and, like, taking one thing, like, their shoes, and being like, I need to have shoes like this to be accepted. And I never really was. I thought, I think everybody thought I was weird. I don't really care anymore, but yeah, um, popularity was pretty big in junior high. I, I didn't see it at all in high school, but, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of traumatic, um, things that happened in junior high. It was just more of the fact that, um, you know, popularity kind of ruled that place. Um, I dressed very, very weird. (laughs) I dressed in very bright colors. That was just me, you know, expressing my creativity. I wore very funky hair pieces, um, and, and stuff like that. So I was just trying to express myself through my clothing. That's all. And, um, I used to hang out with the guidance counselors a lot. I don't know why. I think it was just because I thought I was mature. Because I didn't... Like I said, I I was very shy and passive-aggressive. And I sometimes wouldn't even include myself. Because I just was like, well, if I go up there and try to play a game with them, they'll probably not accept me anyway. So I'll just sit here with the guidance counselors and talk to them. And I talked to them and they did not care. They They actually really liked me. Um, so yeah. That was my junior high school. That wasn't... It... It wasn't... (coughs) Excuse me. It wasn't horrible. But it wasn't awesome either. You know? It was just more popularity kind of ruled the school there. And then, um, I went into high school. High school was more of just me living my life while going to school. Um, I didn't really get bullied that much. I didn't really get made fun of that much. When I when they did bully me or make fun of me, it was a surprise to me. Because I was like, oh, 
why are you doing this to me? I don't even know you, or stuff like that. I was very awkward, I will say, especially in gym. There was one kid that called me stupid, or no, he called me a dumbass. He called me a dumbass. <laughs> um, because I just wanted to sit down, and we were playing volleyball, and I was just not... I did not want to be involved in this. I did not like that I had to physically exert myself to prove that I was a good student. Um, cause I had an awkward body. I was really tall, but I was also plus size. I mean, I'm still that way. And you know, I mean, you don't want to see that run, you know, I don't know. It was just, I was very self-conscious and very insecure. So I didn't like running the mile or anything like that. Even people, you know, with me like running the mile, they would make fun of me for being fat and stuff like that. And I'm like, that is not nice. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah. Um, but the main two years that I want to talk about is my junior and senior year, my last two years of high school. Because my first two years were really easy. Um, freshman year, I was shy. Sophomore year, I... I was on fire for God. I was preaching to people. I was talking to people about God. I was very, very proud of God. But then when I went into junior year, um, I started not being able to feel. Um, like, I felt numb, emotionally numb. Um, I felt like I didn't have any emotion or any inspiration to do anything or any type of emotion at all. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything positive, honestly. I felt like there was a weight, like a bunch of rocks in my chest and it was just weighing me down. And I found out that I had depression. Um, I didn't know why, but I know why now, but I'm going to keep going with the story first. So I would cry a lot because that was the only way I could feel something is to cry. And um, <clears throat> I would cry so much that it was hard for me to breathe when I wasn't. Hello! The phone is ringing! Excuse me, sorry. That was a telemarketer. Um, I always find interruptions. Some, everybody's interrupting my radio show, okay? Listen, I'm trying to pour my heart out, okay? You ain't gonna interrupt me, okay? Be gone, devil. I'm a lady of God, alright? I know that's a meme, and I know it's said in a different way, but I'm not gonna say that word because it's not nice. Anyway, <laughs> um, as I was saying when I was rudely interrupted, um, I, the only way that I could feel something was to make myself cry, and I would actually cry very hard and very long in order for me to actually feel something and make me feel like I was human. I don't know why that was so important, 
but that's how it was for me. That's how depression was for me when it started. And that's how it... That's, I think... I don't know. That's how it started for me. I don't know if it's different for everybody else. But you start not being able to feel much. And you know that there's something wrong. Then senior year came around. And um, I started having intrusive thoughts. And intrusive thoughts is... um when you have a thought in your head that is unwanted, that comes out of nowhere. And, uh, I will say, I'll tell you right now, everybody has those. (laughs) But, me, never experiencing that, thought that there was something wrong with me. And, it was called OCD, or Puro, and there's a difference there. So, OCD is... A lot of people will probably say it's about, oh, it's about cleaning and, and, you know, organizing and, you know, playing with the doorknob a few times or flipping the light on and off a few times. That's one type of OCD. I had Puro. Puro is a very internalized type of OCD where there are three main uh, reasons or three main themes of intrusive thoughts, and that's murder, that's um, pedophilia, and that's um, religious. And mine was religious all of the time. Um, And a lot of people don't understand why they have this problem, Um, but I know why. It's because it's spiritual. I believe it's spiritual. I believe that whatever generational curse that you have is what the devil will tempt you with or torture you with or torment you with. And that is something that I learned just last year, actually, about generational curses. But that's just something else. Um, But yeah, those are the three main themes. And mine was religious. Religious was... um, Something that I grew up with, like I said. Very um, conditioned to do the right things and say the right things, act the right way, and dress a certain way. So the spirit of perfection was there from day one. And apparently, my mind broke under the pressure of being perfect. Because... I had thoughts of denying the Holy Spirit. I had thoughts of blasphemy. I had thoughts of turning away from God. And I thought that was the worst thing in the whole world. And I can laugh at it now because I can... Because I kind of want to just say to the old... Like the previous me in high school and be like, Listen, shut up. Stop. It's okay. Calm down. It's not that big a deal. You come out the other side. Just calm down. This is small. (laughs) Because... I had thoughts of, like, denying the Holy Spirit because, like, I read in Matthew that that's an unforgivable sin. But let me clear something for those who don't know that passage in the Bible. It's only an unforgivable sin when you permanently refuse God's existence and you turn away from God. It's basically a Christian turning into an atheist. That's basically what it is. When you deny the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leaves. And it's unforgivable 
until that atheist comes back to Christ. So it's only unforgivable to the person who denied Christ and his existence and how, you know, him dying on the cross and everything. But I thought that that was like the worst thing that you could do in life. That I thought that I did it all the time in my head because I had voices saying it all the time in my head. Like, oh, you're a bad person, Sarah. Um, so yeah, you denied Christ, so Christ doesn't love you. So I kind of went with the voices and I did my best to fight back. And there were times that I would twitch and speak under my breath and mumble in class. And, and people would make fun of me, but I, I can forgive them because they didn't know what was going on internally. They didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. They didn't understand. But um, I remember that. And it was, it was bad. My grades dropped. It was hard for me to go to sleep. It was hard for me to wake up. Um, I didn't care about my appearance anymore. I wouldn't wear makeup. I wouldn't wear anything nice. I would wear the same green hoodie all day uh, at school. Um, I hid away from my friends at lunch. I would go into the library after I ate lunch right away so I could just read the Bible and be like, talk to God and everything. It was, it was pretty bad. I wouldn't say... Uh, emotionally and mentally, it was bad. And I was doing everything that I could to cope. I even skipped classes just to go into my intervention teacher's office and listen to sermons that calmed me down. That's how bad it was. And I even had teachers come to me and say, Sarah, it's okay, you're fine. And, you know, I was going through something that I did not know how to take care of, basically. And I don't believe, I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, a mental illness stays with you. you. You can't be cured from it or you can't recover from it. I can tell you that I am 100% recovered because for one, God did not diagnose me with that. God did not diagnose me with ADHD, ADD, OCD, or depression. He has not diagnosed me with that. So therefore, I am who he says that I am, and I am a child of God, and I am victorious no matter what. I am his, and he says that, you know, he's mine. And I don't mean to preach, but I'm going to anyways, because, you know, that's just God. That's the God in me. You don't have to live with what you've been saddled with. Yes, it's going to take a very, very long time. It's going to it's gonna be a hard, hard road for you to recover. But I will say that you cannot do it without Christ. Because if I did not have Christ, I would not be here today. I would have already killed myself. I can tell you that right now. And so, yeah, um, <clears throat> speaking of, uh, there was one day I was at my grandmother's house and we were cleaning the upstairs and the window was open. The window 
didn't have the screen. I think they were trying to wash the screen too. So, um, I, <clears throat> I stood at the window and I looked down and I, a thought came into my head. I wish I could die from this height. Or I wonder if I could die from this height. And that thought alone actually scared me to death. And I stepped back from the window. But my family caught wind of it. I was put in the hospital for psychiatric evaluation. And I was put in a psych ward. And um, so this is going to be the end of part one of my testimony. If you want to hear the rest, tune in when I post, and I will post as soon as possible. Alright, I'll see you guys later.